At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, you know him, you love him, as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're kind of in that weird lull moment, that little <laughs> window of time where it's the calm before the storm. And even though free agency doesn't officially open till Wednesday, tomorrow is when the legal tampering period officially opens. So things are going to are about to get bonanza. Right. This is like Christmas Eve for football fans. I mean, free agency it, 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 in, in all regards starts tomorrow. By Wednesday, the big rush will be over. The agreements, the news, the rumors going to start flying tomorrow morning. Uh, we should have a ton, Chad, to talk about and report on. That's where we're, we're kind of splitting these pods up a little bit. And uh, we're making one tonight and one tomorrow to uh, address the news. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Yep. That's right. We don't want to... Re, you know, we don't want to record something one evening for the next day, and then by the time you guys get the pod the next day, there's all this news, and it's no longer not necessarily irrelevant, but you want to hear about the news, not necessarily what we were was on everyone's mind the day before. So, this week we're kind of changing things a little on our end uh, behind the scenes. So you guys should notice it, but it should allow us to be on the cutting edge of what's happening as best you can as a podcast that publishes once a day. So what we're going to do today is because we're in the kind of calm before the storm, we're going to go through and address what's on y'all's mind. We're going through a Twitter mailbag version of the Mile High Mailbag. But first, a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter so that you can get in on these rare moments in which we go to our listeners on Twitter and ask for your questions or what's on your mind or ask for your participation in the show. Also, the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time, at Huddle Up Pod. Also, props to everybody who has taken our calls to action to heart and pulled the trigger on your creative review rating the show on iTunes. Now, we understand not everybody who listens to the podcast does so through iTunes. And so for those of you who don't, it's okay. You know, if you're not a, an Apple user, you're not an iTunes user, it's okay. There are other ways you can help support the show. Wherever you listen to the show, always leave a review. Always leave us a comment. Rate the show as best you can. But especially if you're on iTunes, you guys, you have to take some time really quick and go leave us a five-star rating. Review the show. Give us your thoughts. Zach and I appreciate it. And you have no idea how much that helps us grow 
and reach new listeners and compete with other shows in this same realm on iTunes. It's really easy to do. Take some time. Just a couple weeks ago, in fact, before Zach and I left for the Combine, we were sitting at around 80-something reviews on iTunes. We kept hammering that home to you guys, and you came through big time. We're now well into the triple digits, but we want to get to 200. We're sitting in the low 100s. We want to get to 200 and be the highest reviewed, most reviewed, highest rated Broncos podcast on iTunes. And you guys can make that happen. You're the only ones who can make that happen. So end of sermon, but take some time. Get that done for us. All right, Zach, let's go through the Mile High Mailbag Twitter version Go through and see what's on the mind of the listeners today. Again, calm before the storm. So we're going to get what's what's uh, going through your minds and address that, break it down for you. This one here comes from JT on Twitter, at jthomas89. We'll start us off, Zach. He says, we really need to have a home run this offseason with the Raiders splashing on elite talent and the draft capital they have and the Chiefs being the Chiefs. We're in trouble of being at the bottom of the West for many, many years. So, We'll probably talk more about this. I'm sure it's on the minds of listeners in the mailbag. This probably won't be the first time it gets brought up. So let's just jump into this. At the top here, Antonio Brown was dealt to the Oakland Raiders, which was one of the – everyone kind of knew that was uh, telegraphed that the Raiders were going to be one of the main suitors for Antonio Brown. The Niners were up there. There were a few other teams that were involved in that, but the Raiders won out. So Antonio Brown gets himself a nice, shiny, fat new contract, Zach. But more importantly – Chris Harris Jr. has the one player, the one opponent he has struggled with traditionally. Not every time he's faced the Steelers, but that I think back to that one game in 2015 where he got torched for two touchdowns by Antonio Brown, and they were the first touchdowns he'd given up in coverage in something like two calendar seasons. So now he's in the AFC West with Derek Carr. It gives the Raiders a potent weapon. What are your thoughts at least starting this off on Antonio Brown coming to the AFC West? It, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. I don't see this as a major win for Oakland. I see this as a major win for Pittsburgh in a sense of getting rid of a disgruntled player and getting something back for him without cutting him. They still have Derek Carr. They keep trading away key pieces of that roster. They just traded their best interior pass-blocking lineman today. And and if you can't keep the quarterback upright, what's the use of having an all-pro receiver? I mean, they traded away Amari Cooper and you have a lateral move in a sense with Antonio Brown. So I'm not scared. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster did more damage to Denver last year than Antonio Brown. So it's a receiver like that that scares me. Not a yeah. 31 going on 32-year-old who is kind of going to be entering twilight soon. And for two games a year in Oakland, who's a tanking franchise before they get to Las Vegas, right. it doesn't scare me personally. I think uh, Fangio and that defense, they can do enough to combat that. I was just going to say, if the trade would have been would have included Ben Roethlisberger, I'd, right. be, I'd be tripping a little bit more. But, I mean, on its face, yeah, you have to respect that the AFC West now has a perennial all-pro wide receiver for, the, for Chris Harris and company to contend with. And you got to face that, but at the same time, you got to recognize that, and maybe Antonio Brown hasn't and won't fully appreciate this until he gets to Oakland, but, you know, there's the chicken combo, right? The, the, the effect, that that's a term most fantasy football players know, that you, you got the quarterback and the wide receiver. That particular, if you get the right chicken combo, it can be very potent. And Antonio Brown benefited greatly from a hall, playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, let's face it, Ben Roethlisberger, he's headed for the Hall of Fame when he hangs up his cleats. So now he arrives, Brown, in Oakland. And not to take anything away from Derek Carr, who has had, you know, I think he's been to three Pro Bowls in his very young season, but his last two campaigns have 
been, let's face it, extremely lackluster. And everything we've seen so far from all empirical evidence, his team up here with John Gruden has not been a smashing success yet. I say yet because, I mean, Gruden's obviously playing the long game here, tearing this thing apart to rebuild it in his own image how based on his vision. But I'm not as worried about this uh, as maybe some fans are because Ben Roethlisberger's not coming with him. Right. And, you know, Chad, speaking of Derek Carr, when we went to the Combine, we rolled up the first day a little late. We came in we, we uh, right as Mike Mayock started talking. And the first question that we heard about was quarterbacks. And what jumped out to me was that he went out of his way to praise Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, uh, Dwayne Haskins, but he was kind of noncommittal on Derek Carr. I'm still not convinced Carr is going to be the starting quarterback next year. So if Brown hated catching passes from Ben Roethlisberger, what is he going to think catching passes from Drew Locke or Kyler Murray? So it's a ticking time bomb there. It doesn't scare me. That move in Oakland is going to help the Broncos. It's going to self-destruct in Oakland's face. It's going to be a, you know kind of a double agent kind of thing for them. I'm more worried about the Chiefs in this division because they have a, a quarterback who's going to be a Hall of Famer, it looks like. They have game-breaking threats on every level. That defense is getting patchwork. It's getting better. That team is going to be sticking around. And even the Chargers with Phillip Rivers. But the right. one team that doesn't scare me and the one player that doesn't scare me are the Raiders and Antonio Brown. Right. And, you know, and that's a fair point. But we also have to recognize that even though it was the Vance Joseph regime, the Raiders beat the Broncos. They split, you know, their their games last year. So let's see what better coaching. That's all. Sure. And and I'm with you on that. I think that's, you know, the Broncos are going to be just by virtue of their coaching change, leaps and bounds ahead by by next year. But yeah, I mean, again, on its face, Antonio Brown, not that threatening coming to the AFC West because the quarterback he has. Uh, throwing the ball to him now is just not the same caliber of of you know distributor of the ball that Ben Roethlisberger was. He doesn't take as many chances vertically. He's right. not as accurate with his deep ball, and that's really where Antonio Brown makes his makes his money. So it'll be interesting. But let's get back to his other point here, Zach. In that you know what he's really getting at, uh, JT, is that the Broncos you know they need to make some splashes this off season. You got to contend with the Chiefs. Also, you got the Chargers that are still a very talented, very deep team led by a veteran quarterback. So I think the Broncos have taken some pretty major steps forward in terms of splash. I mean, you got it's it it maybe has you know not been the most enthusiastic response, but getting Joe Flacco mm-hmm. into the AFC West. I mean. The Ravens have basically traded back and forth with the Steelers for the AFC North ever since Flacco came to the NFL in 2008. So I think the Broncos are going to field a much more competitive team in 2019. Doesn't mean they're going to be able to necessarily win the AFC West. But I think you're going to see a pretty, let's just call it a quantum leap forward in 2019 where you're not going to see the Broncos getting blown out. You're not going to see the Broncos... Uh, I mean, games like the one against the Chiefs, both games against the Chiefs, but let's mainly focus on that week four game in which the Broncos had the opportunity to win that game late, but shoddy quarterback play and some questionable coaching at times in that game caused the Broncos to come up short. You can say what you want about Joe Flacco, but one thing that the, the dude has in spades is he's clutch in the red zone and he's clutch when the chips are down. So that should benefit the Broncos you got Fangio coming in to have this defense keep teams like the Chiefs, you know, from scoring their average. You know, they're holding them by usually even the Broncos last year under Vance Joseph. They were holding teams. Last spring, you chose hardworking seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield. 
and how the seed performed on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. High-scoring teams like the Rams and the Chiefs, well below their average points per game. So you bring Fangio and you expect that to continue, if not get better, at least on defense. And then all that means is, as long as it's a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, now you've got Joe Flacco, and we'll see what they do in the free agency. We'll see what they do in the draft. But that gives them a big leg up over last year. And, and you talk about a home run offseason. To me, that's subjective. They're going to be aggressive. Elway and company will be on the phones as now, but it really when the tampering period opens, they're not going to be like 2014, that aggressive, but they will make plays to address major roster holes at corner, at safety, tight end, inside linebacker. They're going to get some players on the open market. I foresee at least one splash player like a Landon Collins, CJ Mosley, Adrian Amos. One of those guys will come to Denver and they're going to fill holes and then we'll use that to go BPA in the draft, whoever they take there. But the one thing Elway will not do, regardless of the moves teams make around him, is panic. He's going to stick to his guns. He's going to stick to his plan. He has his guys he wants in free agency. He has his guys who he wants in the draft at number 10 in the first round. He's going to stick to that. So Antonio Brown, those trades can happen. It's not going to rattle Elway in that sense. He has too much pride, too much ego to go away from uh, what he does best. And that's, in his mind, scouting talent and rebuilding this roster. Yeah. Fair point. Let's move on here to a question from Dylan Von Arks on Twitter, at Arks, that's with an X, underscore D. Dylan says, what are our best options at cornerback in free agency and in the draft with Antonio Brown in the mix? Our secondary is going to need a boost. Now, we even before AB came to the AFC West, we knew that cornerback was a right. massive weakness for the Denver right. Broncos outside of Chris Harris Jr. and a banged up, still coming off of a shoulder surgery. Isaac Yadam heading into year two. I mean, it's a, from there, it's a pretty massive drop off of a cliff in terms of talent. So the Broncos are going are gonna to give some attention to their secondary, and that's going to start this week with free agency. But let's, let's start with, he's wanting to know who are some of the options. All right. Let's start with free agency. Now, there are a few guys out there like Brent Grimes. You got Morris Claiborne. You got Brandon Carr. You mm-hmm. got some, some names out there. But let me tell you a couple names I like in terms of fit with Fangio and under-the-radar types. First and foremost, I'm going with Pierre Desser, the kid from Indianapolis, who's just had, you know, he's he had a couple of years there where he was kind of low-key under the radar. This last season playing with the Colts, though, he really kind of stepped his game up and I think proved, or at least answered more questions, that he can be a consistent player on the outside. Because one of the names often thrown out when you talk about free agents that the Broncos could bring in is Bryce Callahan the former Bear, former Fangio, Acolyte, etc. And while I respect everything that Callahan is, he's one of the league's better nickel corners, 
the Broncos don't need a nickel corner. They already have that in Chris Harris. They need bona fide outside guys who can match up to what Fangio likes to do. And I'm telling you that Pierre Desser is one of them. Another guy, he's under the radar, and he's an injury-prone player. But sometimes it's really weird, man. You start talking about football karma and things like that. Sometimes just changing cities, changing uh, geography can affect a player positively. And one guy I think might be worth a flyer in that regard is Jason Verrett, formerly of the mm. L.A. Chargers. But uh, who do you like in free agency at the corner position? Well, the, the most obvious one is Bryce Callahan from the Bears. But the Fangio connection, the Donatel connection, right. he is an elite slot cornerback, but Chris Harris Jr. does want to move outside more, so that would give them an opportunity. And they just need corners at this point. They need healthy bodies. They just move one to wide receiver. So Callahan, to me, that's the obvious one. Even though I think Amos is a more realistic target in free agency than Callahan, he's definitely the name. Uh, Kareem Jackson, also from Houston, can play safety corner. Great veteran player. Oh, Another okay. guy... Yeah, another guy I like a lot is Ronald Darby from the uh, Eagles, big outside corner. I think he might resign with Philly, though, but he's the number two guy on the market um, behind Callahan to me. So those three guys, starting with Callahan, the guys they should target. Some other under-the-radar veterans include former first-rounder Darquez Denard from Cincinnati. He's a guy that, for whatever reason, I think he was – you know, a lot, much is made of the fact that he failed to make an impact in his first four years with the Bengals. But the way that Marvin Lewis kind of managed the cornerbacks or allowed the cornerback group to be managed by his assistants was questionable. They were really old at corner and chose to stay old at corner despite drafting high at corner. And so Denard, and maybe, you know, you read between the lines there that maybe that was his own doing. He wasn't doing enough to go up the depth chart, but I still see him as a player who can fit Fangio's kind of zone scheme, who can man up, you know, in terms of playing some some uh, press man when needed, but he's primarily a zone guy I think could thrive in that that type of system with Fangio. But just under the radar, guys, I think Zach landed on the main names as far as the, the A-type names. But again, I think if you're going to go out and spend, I'd rather the Broncos go spend on an elite safety like right. Adrian Amos Agreed. and then go grab – even two or three under-the-radar corners who can come in. I mean, Kevin Johnson's another former first-rounder. The Texans just dispatched cut. So he's a street-free agent. So if you sign Kevin Johnson, who's six foot, he's long, he can bring some length and some skill. He didn't work out with the Texans. But, again, you try different things. You kick the tires in a different culture or different environment. Sometimes things stick. And Johnson's probably a player you could get on the relative cheap. So there are some names out there in terms of the draft – I mean, the Broncos are going to have some options. The main ones to consider are, I think, the kid from Washington. Murphy. Yeah, Byron Murphy. There we go. DeAndre Baker. So there's those are the two names most tied to the Broncos, at least early. But it's definitely Zach a position the Broncos are going to give some attention to here in the next six weeks. Oh, yeah. I would not even rule out double dipping, maybe with one or two guys in free agency and using the number 10 pick on a corner. They need bodies badly. So uh, another name to keep in mind, though, kind of a a dark horse is Tremaine Brock because he did play with Fangio in San Francisco. So there is some familiarity. He would come cheap. He knows the system or at least he knows the players. So that's one name. But yeah, in the draft, um, it's going to be either Baker or Murphy because Greedy Williams isn't a great tackler. And that's one quality that Fangio seeks is a lot is tackling called non-negotiable. So yeah, I, I can see them definitely double dipping, but number 10, it's either be Baker or Murphy if they go that route. Here's one from Ian Darbs at Mango and Rice on Twitter. What would be the gut reactions if we got Jonah Williams or an offensive lineman at pick 10? And how deep is this offensive line class? 
you know, barring the the few big names. So for me, I would it would be I would not appreciate the Broncos <laughs> taking an offensive tackle or any offensive lineman at pick ten, just because I think that there are well, it is a deep there there are some options beyond round one that the team can take, and I would suggest you go back and read some of the draft content that milehighhuddle.com has published over the last two months since January. And there's some under-the-radar options. There's some deep options. In fact, Eric Trickle published an article on Sunday that's kind of his final mock free uh, mock 2019 offseason that mentions some names there that are deeper in the draft. So there's some options there, Zach. And just with the other needs that, that the Broncos have, specifically long-term franchise quarterback, uh, corner, off-ball linebacker, it would not. I would just would not be stoked if if the pick were Jonah Williams. Yeah, it, it's definitely not my first choice at all. Uh, but just to play devil's advocate to you, I, I could see why they would do it if uh, Devin White's off the board, or corners off the board, or quarterbacks off the board. If that's their last guy, and they really like Jonah Williams from another lineman, I mean, how hard was it for the Broncos to find a capable right tackle before Jared Valdir? I mean, how hard was it to find a left tackle before they drafted Garrett Bowles, who the jury is still out on? They don't have any developmental tackles, developmental linemen, really, behind Sam Jones. One of the best coaches in the business, Mike Munchak, I could definitely see it, and I would come around to understanding it. It just would not be my first choice at all. Next question here comes from Paul, at Paul826, also a VIP subscriber at milehighhuddle.com, 24-7 sports. Paul says, Denver needs more draft capital and a drafted quarterback of the future soon. Still, in my opinion, we need to not overreact to what other teams are doing right now and stay the course. So I'm not sure exactly what he's alluding to there in terms of what other teams are doing. But yeah, John Elway has basically kind of walked back the perception that he's all in on quarterback this year at at pick 10. And while I have my doubts and misgivings that there's truth to that, one thing I do believe is the trope that he recently put out, Zach, that he's not interested in moving up in the draft. So, in other words, if a Drew Locke or a Dwayne Haskins fell to him at pick 10, that's not off the table. He might take one right. of those guys. But he's not going to move up, sell the farm in this this draft anyway to grab a quarterback. And barring one, if all the guys are gone at pick 10, there are other options later on. I wouldn't worry too much about it, Paul, because Jarrett Stidham is a guy, for example, the team seems to be really high on. And just this past weekend, Zach, I took some time to do a lot more film study on Brett Rippon. And if the Broncos were able to get him in the second round, I would not be shedding any tears. Like I'd, He's a fringe first-round quarterback with some really intriguing franchise upside, some tools there. So there's some options, but I think the Broncos do come out of this draft, whether it's in the first, second, or third round, with a quarterback of the future they drafted. If Elway stays the course, then he won't move up. Elway staying the course is sticking to his guns and, and holding to the number 10 pick like he did last year. He didn't move up for a quarterback. Stayed number five. Bradley Chubb landed in his lap, and he benefited, and he had a great draft haul. So I think it's to be more of the same this year. Like you said, if, if Locke falls in his laps at 10, great. If he doesn't, there's plenty other blue-chip prospects on the board. And I also agree, by round three, they're going to have a quarterback on the roster, whether it be a Stidham, Rippon, uh, Daniel Jones, Will Greer, anyone else in the first or third rounds, it has to be a QB. But they're not going to overreach. They're not going to panic. Elway's going to stick to his guns and stick to his draft board. And I don't think I don't see any major trades in the first round. Still have a few more questions to to uh, answer in the mailbag but first you guys we got to take a quick break we'll be right back this is the overtime podcast network 
So the next question here comes from Michael Joe Hamby on Twitter at Michael Joe Hamby. What are the chances, Zach, we sign John Brown and trade Emmanuel Sanders for more draft capital? What are the chances? Uh, probably nil because Brown has the sickle sickle cell trait and that wouldn't be conducive to playing in Denver. And they picked up Emmanuel Sanders option. He'll be ready for week one. He's that burner type. So I'd rather have him on the roster than, than sign John Brown. So chances are low. They're going to do that. If they were going to do that and make a move there, they would have declined that option. Eric Trickle floated a theory in that, uh, off season mock he published on Sunday that I thought was interesting as it relates to, Emmanuel Sanders and the fact that the Broncos did pick up that option, which I think guaranteed uh, what was it one and a half million, right? It was right. A, of his salary. In that, what that really does and what that move was really about was creating more value for a potential trade partner. In that, look, if you take Emmanuel Sanders off our hands, you know, we'll, we want a fifth round pick and maybe a 2020 conditional fifth round pick to go on top of that. You take Emmanuel Sanders, and you know he's going to need to finish his rehab. Hopefully, he'll be ready by opening week. But we also made it less costly on your end from a from a salary cap perspective because we're taking on we're taking away a million and a half off his salary. So it's making it almost more attractive to other NFL teams to want to just say, you know what, it's worth the risk. Let's go ahead and pull the trigger on Emmanuel Sanders. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily reality but it's an interesting theory and what i would say is i i probably differ with zach a little bit on this i still think that emmanuel sanders is very much from what i've been hearing on the table as a possible trade piece to take place between now and the draft but it's also one of those things where i'll believe it when i see it because he's injured if he wasn't injured he's i would almost guarantee that he was going to get traded this offseason but because he's injured it's going to cause those interested suitors out there on the trading block to go, "Mm, let's kind of wait and see how free agency falls, or let's maybe wait and see how we feel about things a little bit closer to the draft. That's exactly what I was going to say. If he didn't get injured, he would have gone on to finish a great season for him. He really rebounded after 2017, and he would have had a lot more trade value, and this would have been more plausible. But there's no guarantee he'll be back to previous form. There's no guarantee he won't have the setback. There's no guarantee for now he'll be ready for week one. He hasn't even begun running running yet. I mean, the offseason program starts on April 1st. So uh, his value to me is, is minimal, is negligible right now. And I don't see any team willing to float compensation, even just a fifth or sixth round pick taking on his contract and a 31, 32-year-old receiver who's coming off a major devastating injury. That's just my feeling. I'm not reporting anything. Um, I just think for now, Sanders is, is a good lock to make the roster. Another team to consider, even though the word is that John Brown does want to be reunited with Flacco, despite the sickle cell you know, obstacle, the other team that's going to probably be in the mix for his services is Bruce Arians down in Tampa, who coached him with the Arizona Cardinals. A much so, better fit, I think. And probably is a much better fit and without the altitude and the sickle cell complications. Right. So uh, next question here comes from JD at Sports Talk 365 on Twitter. JD says, what's the most vital position the Broncos must address in free agency? What's, what's priority number one, Zach? It has to be the secondary to me. I mean, I just don't see a more glaring need than for a team that doesn't have a number two, number three cornerback, or and they just cut their starting safety. So to me, it has to be corner, has to be safety in that order, or you know, maybe not in that order, but it has to be prioritized above anything else right now. I don't disagree, but just for the sake of conversation, the other one up there for me. So I'd say number one, I'm with you, is corner. Number two is off-ball linebacker. 
Number three is right tackle. Number four is safety. Now, the odd thing about that ordering or that list is that it's probably going to be a safety. You're probably going to see get signed first, oddly enough. But I think the Broncos would be wiser to go after and kind of solve at least one of their cornerback holes, starting corners, get someone that you can count on and trust to start opposite of Harris, roll the dice on the next couple of days, see how things go with conversations with other free agents, and kind of bank on what Isaac Yadam getting back to uh, some health in time for the draft. But cornerback, to me, has to be number one top priority. I just think for right tackle, they're in a pretty good situation because they can go after a guy like Jawan James, they can use a first-round pick on a tackle, or they can bring back Jared Valdir, who they're negotiating with and they kind of have in their back pocket. They're not talking with Billy Turner anymore, so maybe they're putting their focus on Valdir. So right tackle to me, yeah, if we're listing them, it's definitely a priority. But in that secondary, Chad, when there's so many bodies missing now, I mean, I just don't think you can neglect it for that much longer. Another name to keep in mind, too, which just recently hit the street. He's literally a street-free agent. The Jaguars cut Jeremy uh, Parnell, who Mm -hmm. was a more than serviceable right tackle. They They cut a lot of players. Yeah, they did, including Malik Jackson and including, what was it, Tashaun Gibson. Gibson, yeah, great player. Jeremy Parnell, though, keep an eye on him. Would not surprise me if the Broncos go, you know what, instead of paying 10 plus million a year to Juwan James, we're going to go pay, you know, seven or eight million for Parnell. Or maybe bring back Valdir. But next question here, we move on to Zachary because we're running low on time. On Twitter, at ZJCastro underscore 94. He says, throw whatever money you can at Juwan James to solidify right tackle and then see if you can, with whatever is left, go get KJ Wright since everybody will want CJ Mosley, fill cornerback with draft picks. So Zach's kind of reverse engineering what we just talked about in terms of priority. I love the idea of K.J. Wright. In fact, the name Quan Alexander has been floated as kind of a backup option to C.J. Mosley. But to me, the Broncos would be wiser if you can't get C.J. Mosley to go after K.J. Wright. The only holdup there is that he's coming off an injured season where he was plagued by injury. I, I wouldn't mind Wright for sure, but you have Quan Alexander, you have Jordan Hicks, uh, Perriman just got signed, uh, you have Devin White in the draft, you have some players on the open market, you have even um, uh, Aaron Lynch from the Bears, who Fangio just coached, so I would not throw crazy money at KJ Wright, I would not prioritize him, and same for Juwan James, he's no uh, Joe Thomas at tackle, he's no sure thing either, so I would look into them, but I wouldn't just write them both a blank check when there's other alternatives out there in free agency in the draft. Here's one from a great listener, Jedi Joshua 58 He says, Zach, what do you guys think about the best outcome signing-wise? What would that be? He says, I tend to agree with you guys 90% of the time, but I would like to hear it. So let's just say, you know, we know the Broncos have, according to Spot Track, let's just say somewhere in the mid-30 millions, like 36, 37 million is what Spot Track has it listed at over the cap, about the same. I've had some people tell me it's more in reality, closer to 34 million. But they have plenty of money. Now, just to give you context, that huge 2014 offseason in which Emmanuel Sanders, Demarcus Ware, TJ Ward, Akeem Talib, all those guys were signed who went on to Pro Bowls and have huge impact on Denver's World Championship. That year, the Broncos had about $25 million in cap space to work with. So you can get really creative in terms of contracts. So having 34 to $37 million available, let's just say today, to open up free agency, Zach, The Broncos are going to have some money to spend. So I'll serve this to you first. What do you think would be, let's just say, ideal signing three names? 
what would be the dream signing for, for the Denver Broncos this coming week? Well, first of all, keep in mind the Broncos are going to get about $4 million more when they cut Brandon Marshall. And they're going to have, Chad, plenty of money to spend. People think $40 million is nothing when teams have $100 million, $90 million. $40 is still a lot. They can sign two or three quality free agents. In terms of the questions, though, uh, let's say the three biggest names for the Broncos have got to be C.J. Mosley, uh, Landon Collins, and either Adrian Amos or Jawan James. If they can come away with at least one of those guys, preferably two, that's a win to me. And they have more than enough money to get at least two of those guys. Hmm. Mm. Let me try and do this the best way I can. So I'm going to say C.J. Mosley. This is the dream, right? This J- Joshua, you're asking what the dream would be. You know, the best outcome, the best case scenario. So I would say C.J. Mosley. I would say Adrian Amos over Landon Collins, despite the fact that Collins has that all-pro season a couple years in his rear view. So there's two. My third guy would be... Mm. Mm. It's corner. It'd be a corner. Who would I get? Who would Callahan. I, get? Uh, I don't know if it would be Callahan for me. He's up there, but... The market's just so like dry. I mean, you got Bradley Roby as one of the top options. Right. I'd probably go uh, go with uh, Ronald Darby from Philly, to be honest with you, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm going the ideal corner. But that, that would be it for me. So hopefully that answers your question, Joshua. Next question here, and then we got to get out of here, you guys, comes from... Juan Pablo on Twitter, at Broncos Brazil, one, a great Brazil listener. Juan says, if you had to pick, Zach, between Adrian Amos or Bryce Callahan, who would it be considering the Broncos' needs? And is there a chance we get both regarding salary cap, and is that a real possibility? From a salary cap standpoint, they can fit both easily, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think one will stay in Chicago, more than likely Callahan, and I think Amos is the one that comes to Denver. He is the bigger need, the bigger priority, and he would be the better addition. Even though they don't have a corner, they still have the best slot corner in the business in Chris Harris Jr., they don't have any other safeties. And with respect to Will Parks, DeMonte Thomas, Stuart Cravens, they're not starting material. Adrian Amos is, and he thrived under Ed Donatel. He thrived under Vic Fangio. He would thrive next to Justin Simmons. The perfect complement to him, a massive upgrade on on Darian Stewart. Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer signing. Can come in. Uh, it would be cheaper than Landon Collins. He's better in coverage. He can teach the players the defense on the field. Can be a coach on the field. It's a no-brainer signing, and I would absolutely put him way above Bryce Callahan. I don't disagree at all. I agree 100% that Amos would be the priority. I'm not as high on Callahan, not because he's not a good player. But because it's it'd be like if you already have Von Miller, why do you go out and get you know Bradley Mac or well even Bradley? <laughs> let's say both of them. It's like you already have and and nickel corners even more specific than edge because you got two right. You need right. two edge rushers, so you can make sense of having Von Miller and going out and get Khalil Mack. From a nickel corner perspective, yeah, I understand that Harris is versatile and he can play outside just as well as he does inside, but he's more suited to inside. And why? You know, why would you want to tempt fate? He's an elite nickel corner. He's the number one nickel corner in the NFL. Go spend that money on a player who can bring something additional to the table. And that's why I would go with a different option at corner. So I think Amos is going to be the more likely candidate of that duo to end up in Denver. Now, one last thing that we're out of here. It's not from the mailbag. Zach, you reported on this on Sunday. Eric Weddle, who was released by the, <laughs> by the Ravens and then signed by Wade Phillips and the L.A. Rams, he went on the radio and said that, quote, here's what he said about Joe Flacco, which I think is interesting. And this is a guy who we got to remember. He's from the thin air. He played at Utah. 
So he knows all about the Rockies and the thin air. Plus, he played in the AFC West with the Chargers for the first half of his career. Here's what he said. Quote, the guy's a true pro. He's a great teammate, and he's still got a bunch of years left. Being at mile high with that arm and a system that fits Joe, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on a run and you guys win a bunch of games. Close quote. Your thoughts on that, Zach? My thoughts is my last little you know, paragraph of that story, and I just stand by that. I said, anecdotes don't win games, and until there's more to go on, Flacco is merely an expensive Band-Aid applied by a franchise czar biding his time, still waiting to add that franchise quarterback feather to his cap. And I stand by that. And like I've said, until Flacco's on the field with the Broncos, until the Bulls start flying for real, he's still going to be that broken-down 34-year-old who just got Wally Pitt by Lamar Jackson, a rookie who literally couldn't throw the ball. So I'm still a little negative on the trade. I would come around to it if given the right circumstances. But until that's on the field, I'm going to have my doubts. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who he's talking about one of his fellow warriors, right? They went into battle together for three years in Baltimore. But I don't think he's too far off the mark. I think there's something to that. I think fans, let me put it this way. I think that it's an underrated move. And just because, you know, Flacco comes with all these cliches, is he elite? and he hasn't had a lot of success the last three years, fans aren't super excited. But I think this is a move that has the potential to be very underrated and pay some dividends for Elway and the Broncos over the next three years if they can solve some of these other roster holes and also pick up that franchise guy of the future because he is 34. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We'll be back, you guys, on Tuesday with some fresh insight and analysis on what took place Monday in that the first day of the legal tampering period in the NFL and free agency. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Take your time. Leave a creative review. If you're an iTunes listener, absolutely crucial. Give us a five-star rating. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Settle in, you guys. It's going to be a huge week, and we're looking forward to covering this and breaking it down for you guys on the podcast. In the meantime... For Zach Kellerman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.